Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. As most of you know, a huge issue parents currently face is a sharp increase in screen time for children. In fact, a recent study by JAMA Pediatrics found that children's recreational use of screens, not including time spent online for virtual classes, nearly doubled during the pandemic. Moreover, the study linked higher screen usage to poorer mental health and greater stress among teens. So you've heard me say it before, I myself acknowledge that screens themselves aren't bad, but I do strive for balance when it comes to screen time and playtime. So joining me here today to highlight the importance of screen-free play and what parents can do to engage their children is Anna Udina of The Genius of Play. The Genius of Play has a mission to provide families the information and inspiration they need to make play an important part of their children's day. Today, Anna will be sharing what play really means, how science defines play, importance of multi-generational play, how play benefits parents, and much more. But before we get to the conversation, if you have yet to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening, pause the episode, leave a rating, and if you're feeling generous, a review as well. I read each one, and I am so appreciative of your kind words and your encouragement as I continue to produce the show. As for my minimalist resource this week, I have something a little bit different for you. I have a playlist on iTunes. I'm realizing the importance of slow in my mornings. I'm finally to a point where I can wake up before the kids. I love to sit on my back porch and watch the animals, pray, read, or meditate. And it's something that I really want to include in the upcoming school year, especially with homeschooling for my second year. I want to make sure that I have time to get in the right headspace before the day begins because I will be a much better parent because of it. So I discovered Pure Meditation. It's on Apple Music Wellbeing. I'm going to try and play a clip here. Hopefully I don't get dinged. I'm going to play like 15 seconds, but this is what you can find on this list. So that was Rest by Dreamtime. Again, hopefully there's no copyright infringement here. I'll have to take that out. But this has been a really relaxing, calming music to have in the background in the mornings or in the evenings as I'm trying to wind down. And I highly recommend it if you're looking to add more quiet and zen into your day-to-day. All right, I think that's it for now. So let's get into this conversation with Anna Udina. Anna, thank you so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Diane. Absolutely. I can't wait to talk about play today. This is the thing that you are an expert in on how children play, how we can encourage them in their play, best methods, all the things. So why don't you introduce yourself to listeners and tell them a little bit more about you and if you consider yourself to be a minimalist. Oh, yeah. So I'm Anna Yudina, Senior Director of Marketing Initiatives at the Toy Association, where I have been leading the genius of play, which makes me an expert in play. The genius of play is a 
nonprofit initiative, and we have been working with experts in play and education and child development for the past seven years, and also educating parents about the benefits of play. There is so much research, so many facts that show what kids learn from playing. It's so much more than just having fun, although having fun is really important. And we also provide a lot of free resources to parents. So on our website, thegeniusofplay.org, we have tons of play ideas, and we're going to talk about that ways to encourage play. So that's just one really good resource. Activities, coloring sheets, you can find a lot of things there. So in terms of being a minimalist, I have never thought of myself as a minimalist before this interview, but I decided to Google it so that I understand exactly how folks define that. And what I found, Diane, is that there is more, as always, there is more than one definition of what it actually means to be a minimalist. So the one that I really like, it's the process of identifying what is essential in your life and having the courage to eliminate the rest. So that resonates with me a lot because it really comes down to identifying what are your values? Who are you and what matters to you in life? And then not having a lot of that FOMO, right? The fear of missing out and worrying too much about what other people are doing. And, you know, it all comes back to also how we balance play and work, how we value play. So we can talk a lot about all of that. Absolutely. And I'm wondering, what did that look like in your own life? I mean, do you have kiddos? I do not have my own kiddos. How has that come about in your life? I mean, why did you have the interest in pursuing something like this? I always find that really curious. Yeah, I personally am very much into the idea of balance and balancing things that we have to do, you know, work, obligations, social, family, all of that. And things that give us joy, things that make us happy, things that we wanted to. And this is how science defines play, by the way. Like, what is play? How is it different from work? But play is something that gives us intrinsic motivation. So we are self-motivated to play. We're not trying to achieve any external goal. It's not about getting that next promotion. It's not about getting more things or winning in a competition. It's about enjoying. It's about doing it for the sake of activity itself. So I have been really curious about what is the right balance? Because, you know, obviously you cannot just play all day long and work and obligations and goals are very important for achieving things that we want in life. But so are passions. And I think the golden middle, you know, or like that perfect balance lies where our goals are aligned with our passions and the external goals, so to speak, are aligned with what we love to do. So I have been personally fascinated about finding the right balance between play and work. So when I got the opportunity to work on the genius of play and kind of like find out a little bit more, well, what does research say? Why is play so important? What are the benefits to kids as well as adults? I just discovered this whole new world, I think, of meaning behind play and why it is so powerful in helping us find that satisfaction in life. I'm going to call this episode Simple Ways to Encourage More Play in Your Family. That's kind of my idea of what I wanted to talk about with you. As you're describing this, 
I realized how important it is to even play as adults. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but I think that it coincides with the podcast episode I did back in January in regards to having fun. So maybe that's more of what play looks like for adults is having fun and seeking out fun. But why would you say that play is important at any age? And I guess we'll talk more about specifically kiddos, little ones, but why is play important? Let's start with the little ones because play is how they learn and develop. It's so much more than fun, especially when it comes to children. So there is a lot of research on the benefits of play. And basically it comes down to six key benefits, physical, cognitive, social, emotional, creativity, and communication. So those are broad six developmental domains and each of them is affected by play. So for physical, for instance, kids learn fine and gross motor skills. There is balance, coordination. When they pick up toys and objects, they exercise little muscles in their fingers that they will later on need in order to hold a pen and a pencil. So many different benefits. The core strength that they need to sit in a chair for the long periods of times once they go to kindergarten and school. So that's just physical. And then for cognitive, it's all the foundational skills, problem solving, critical thinking, ability to think outside the box. Those skills are important no matter what career your child is going to pursue. And that's the beauty of play and really the biggest benefit that it's not about learning that two by two is four and ABCs and all of that, but it's building those foundational skills that will allow your child to excel in pretty much anything in school, in any career, in life in general. That is why play is so powerful because while it may not teach a specific skill or piece of knowledge that your child will learn in school, but it lays the foundation for all future learning. And it does that in a way that is fun. So we have to come back to this idea of fun, which is super important because you may be asking, well, why is play so effective in teaching those skills? Well, really because it does so in a way that kids do not even notice that they're learning. They don't know that they are developing critical thinking and problem solving. It's all those adults that that are studying play that know this is happening. But kids are just having fun. They're naturally wired to play, which is why we see that not only with humans, but we see that with a lot of animals. They're having fun. They're motivated. They're excited about the activity. And that's when the learning happens. When you are engaged, you know, not when you sit in a chair and somebody's telling you and just giving you a bunch of information. Play is hands-on, it's interactive, you learn by doing, which is why it is the most effective way of learning. Hey parents of young babies, is there a child with food allergies in your family? Does your child have a friend or a classmate with food allergies or Do you know of someone close to you that has food allergies? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then you know how scary, limiting, and anxiety-inducing it can be to have to carry an EpiPen with you at all times or constantly just be on high alert when dining out, reading food labels, sending your kids to school, all of the things. Imagine a world without food allergies, where all foods are considered safe to eat for anyone, where there aren't nut-free schools or separate allergy-free tables at lunch. That's what we call food freedom. Evidence-based research, USDA guidelines, pediatricians, and allergists all agree. Feeding small amounts of common food allergens like peanut, 
eggs, and milk daily for six months or more, starting at four months, is important for all babies to give them the best chance at a future of food freedom. That's why I'm happy to tell you about Ready Set Food. Ready Set Food was developed by an allergist and mom of two to make it easy, safe, and convenient to regularly feed babies low doses of the most common food allergens starting right from the bottle. Ready Set Food is a gentle, guided system of products that takes the mess and stress out of introducing allergens. Head over to readysetfood.com minimalist and use code minimalist for 30% off your first order of Ready Set Food and get your child started on the path to food freedom today. I'm sure most people listening are regularly encouraging their kids to play. Most people realize the benefit of play. It's maybe the little details of why. And I'm thinking about my own life and knowing that play is good for my kids, but I also really like to encourage independence with them. And so I would say most of their play is free play and it's not as structured, but I kind of want to know one, should there be a balance between free play and structured activities, but also what do you mean by structured activity? What is a structured activity? Could that be me just taking them to a playground or am I actually setting something up for them? That's a really, really good question. So let's start with what is a structured activity versus an unstructured play? An example of a structured activity would be something like organized sports, for instance, or any game that has set rules where there is a certain way to do things. And it's a spectrum, right? So like some activities would be really, really structured. There is like no way for kids to sort of like use a lot of their imaginations and others could be semi-structured. So an example of like a semi-structured activity could be a so-called educational toy, right? Let's say it's a science experiment and you do it in a certain way. You know, you go through certain steps to set it up. And once you get the result, it is supposed to teach you certain skills, certain concepts, you know, whether it's mixing different colors or how different elements react when they are thrown in together. So, that's an example of a semi-structured activity. So now going back to why each is important. So as I said, kids learn different things. With unstructured, it's obviously very open-ended. A kid has to decide what they're going to do, how they're going to do that, how they're going to play, who they're going to play with. So there is a lot of decision-making and a lot of exploration, a lot of trial and error. Unstructured play is fantastic for creativity, nurturing that innovation spirit. It is also really great for building self-confidence and what researchers call executive functioning skills, which basically are skills like self-regulation, self-control, focus, working memory, attention, things like that. Those skills are naturally developed through that unstructured free play. Now, with structured play, usually there is a certain goal or a certain way to play, but there are also important lessons. You know, if you take, for instance, any game with rules, learning how to follow the rules is something that every person, every human being needs to know. Winning and losing, right? If it's a game, there are winners and there are losers. That is a super important skill to learn. How to be a gracious loser. 
empathy, you know, like some are winners, some are losers. So there's an opportunity to practice empathy, communication and social skills, you know, if it's an organized sport and being part of a team and playing with others. So, and then all the kind of like educational toys and activities, steam, you know, science, technology, education, arts, and math. A lot of times those toys and activities do have a specific learning goal, a learning outcome, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's kind of like marrying that play and the fun, the joy of it with a specific learning goal and that kids can actually learn about something, about a piece of science, you know, a piece of technology, engineering. So I would say definitely balance is important because different kinds of play build different kinds of skills. My kids are still pretty little, but we definitely need to start thinking more about the team activities and how to work as a team. I think that's really important structured play, which I guess you're never really too little to learn that. I think the soccer team that we have, it's called Soccer Shots here in Columbus, but it's just club soccer. And I think that starts at two years old. Oh, wow. They are really young now. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Which again, I'm not opposed to if people want to do that. Some people are really into athletics, but I think there's a time and place for all of that in a child's life, but I do see the significance of team building and that more structure and also listening to other adults that are leading you in play. Like, I think that when my kids are around other parents that are helping them play, that's also a benefit to them to hear from someone that isn't me. That's why it's so good for kids to play with other adults, not just their parents, but grandparents and adults of different ages, because everybody brings a different perspective on play. In terms of athletics, I think, well, that obviously depends on the age of your child and also what they want to. I would say a really important thing is also to just not turn it into an obligation. So if a child is really interested in something, you know, even if they're three years old, four years why not? But if this is something that comes from the parent and the child would rather just play with their dolls, you know, or run on the playground and maybe they don't want all this structure, then I definitely would not be the one to recommend sort of like creating this structure where maybe none is needed. With all the structured activities, it is also super important to have just time and space for free open-ended space, especially for two and three and four and five-year-olds when kids are so young. A lot of times they learn the foundational skills in a more natural way when they are sort of like left to themselves and just given the time and the space and the toys and the materials and the opportunity to play because that's when they can exercise their imagination and obviously pretend play and imaginative play is huge at this age. And this is something that's tied directly to vocabulary development, development of communication skills, early literacy, the building that foundation for literacy. Because one of the things that kids are learning when they are pretend playing is abstract thinking, you know, like a banana stands for a phone, a stick is a horse. So this is the foundation of abstract thinking. Babies are not born with that kind of abstract thinking and pretend play actually allows them to develop that. And that is also the foundation of literacy because, you know, in reading, letter A stands for a certain sound, a word stands for a certain thing or meaning. So without that foundation and abstract thinking, 
it will be challenging for kids to develop literacy. So I would say, again, different types of play are good and important, but for young kids, especially, definitely giving them the time to just play in a free, unstructured way is probably one of the best things that you can do. And you've given a few examples, but do you have more? Just let's make it simple. What are some ideas that could encourage more play for our kids? It obviously depends on their age. So we talked a little bit about the young ones. So anything open-ended, open-ended toys, materials, they should be a part of your toy box. Construction sets, uh, building bricks, dolls, action figures, play sets, dress-up kits, things like coloring is great. Simple arts and crafts, things that kids can make with their own hands. Simple games, you know, again, that will get more sophisticated as kids grow a little bit older. In general, I would say sometimes simpler is better. It does not have to be a toy with like all the bells and whistles and so complicated that a child cannot figure out how to play it on its own. One of the definitions of a good toy is actually that it's easy enough for a child to play with that without too much adult help. Maybe they need a little bit of help from adults to set it up, but it should not require a lot of adult help. So that would be my guidance for toys for the young ones. And then beyond toys, just different play ideas and activities. And the geniusofplay.org, again, great resource for idea starters. And if you're looking for things to do with your kids, a lot of the ones that we have actually utilize materials that you can find around the house. Like we have this action figure float activity and it utilizes sponges and different things that you can use to build little boats and then have a competition or see which one sinks, which one swims. And what happens if you increase the surface for instance, or you use a different sponge or a different material. So activities like that, you probably already have things to create them inside your house and they can just be so much fun once you have that idea, you know, of what to do. So those would be part of my recommendation. And when it comes to older kids, so a lot of parents ask me like, okay, my kids are no longer five, six, seven. They are like twins or they're teenagers. And now they spend a lot more time with the screen. And how should I keep them playing? So fortunately, there are so many family games out there that are great for literally 9 to 99. (laughs) They are fantastic for teenagers, for parents to play together. The classics are great, you know, Monopoly, other games that we played as kids. But there are also so many new ones that have come out in recent years, you know, Unstable Unicorns. That was one of the top 100 projects on Kickstarter a couple of years ago. And a super, super popular game that can be fun for any age. And they have different versions for those versions that can be played with kids and others that are sort of like adult only or older kids. So I would say there are many ways to keep kids engaged in play, even as they age. And there is a lot of support from the game community that parents can tap into. Anna, this was so rich and full of information. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. So where can listeners find you and connect with you online if they want to hear more? 
I'm on LinkedIn. So definitely, if you would like to ask a question or reach out, send me a message. Our website is www.thegeniusofplay.org. So you can also contact me through the website or send an email at info at thegeniusofplay.org. Perfect. As we wrap things up, I ask all of my guests the two questions. And the first one is, what is a resource that you'd like to recommend to listeners that has been beneficial in your life? I wanted to mention the Once Upon a Playtime podcast. It is by the Genius of Play, and it's a series of episodes that features celebrities like Alicia Silverstone and famous personalities like Simon Sinek talking about their childhood and how they play as a child and what it actually did for them. How did play shape who they are today? The reason I find it a great resource is because it's fun for adults as well as kids. So basically a really family-friendly podcast. There are not a whole lot of podcasts that parents and kids can enjoy together and that has something for every age. So that one checks the box. And I know a lot of parents will be traveling, travel is coming back, the car rides and airplane travel. So that's just audiobooks in general. And this podcast in particular is just a great way to make that long car ride go a little bit faster. That sounds absolutely great. I'll include that in the show notes. My last question is what is something that you can't stop talking about? This doesn't have to do with our podcast episode. This can just be something that you have personally been enjoying just to help listeners get to know you a little bit better. Well, I started kind of like talking with this idea of balance and I go back to that. I cannot stop talking about how important it is to find that right balance and take the time in your day, in your life for something that you truly enjoy doing. So for me personally, I enjoy travel. So (laughs) I can never stop talking about my trips, whether it's a trip to Japan or it's a trip to Madison, Wisconsin. It does not have to be fancy. It does not have to be a different country or a different continent. I equally enjoy all of them. I enjoy meeting different people and trying different food, exploring a different culture. So that's play for me, right? And that provides such a great balance to everything I choose sort of like day in and day out. I just hope that whoever you are, you know, and however many things you have on your to-do list, you Mm -hmm. should find what drives you, what makes you happy. And you take the time to play. You take the time to do things that give you joy. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like everything in life comes back to balance and just having a balance in seriously all areas is so beneficial. Yeah. Anna, thank you so much again for your time today. This was great. Thank you, Diane. Thank you for inviting me. What did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.